Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and I'm with Aiden again. And Aiden and I have been discussing some things that uh, span different generations, are different, but aren't really different anyway. I mean, really, every generation has its own struggle with its own issues. And uh, your generation, Aiden, is no different. I think that the simplicity of it all is there's a way that God intended it to be. Figure it out. Live that way. You'll be okay. And the way you figure it out is by getting to know who he is. And I tell young people or older people, if you're disappointed with God, you don't know him. If you're angry with God, you don't know him. If you don't want to listen to him, you don't know him. So it goes back to the same issue. Why don't you get to know God? And if you don't know him, but you're going to argue against him, it makes no sense whatsoever. So let's say, I'll give you a story, Aiden. Uh, let's say that uh, I came to you and I said, you know, Aiden, I, I can't find my keys anywhere. And you were to ask me, where are you looking for them? And I would say, oh, I haven't been. Would you find that odd? Yeah. Why? Because if you really have lost something that is needed, when you put the time and the effort in to find them? Exactly. So you'd find my statement odd? Yes. So people come and they say, you know, I, I don't know God. And I say, well, have you been looking for him? No. Oh. Well, that's probably why you didn't find him at this point. You know what I mean? It, it's not even overwhelming logic. It's just like, are you, really? You're somebody who's going to, or they say something about God, like how could God be loving? It's, it's like, okay, well, do you know him at all? No. Oh, go ahead, criticize, I guess. I guess it's like criticizing, you know, Joe Blow from Idaho or something. You don't know him either, but you can criticize something about him. Whatever. It's just you lose credibility when you actually say things and you know anything about it. You know, if, if, if I were to come to you and tell you how you need to fix your car, and there's, you know, and you knew me well, and said, first of all, you go, first of all, he's not mechanical. Second, he shouldn't be giving me advice on my car. So if there's a mechanic there, they might be shaking their head in the background like, no, don't listen to him. You know, why? Because I can sound real authoritative in the same respect. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. But sounding authoritative doesn't make me right. Uh, my wife accuses me of that every once in a while. Believe it or not, Aiden, I get accused of sounding like I know what I'm talking about. And then she goes, you have no idea what you just said. And I go, yeah, I know. Because I sound like I know what I'm talking about doesn't mean I do. So that's a general principle in life that you know, rhetoric or speech doesn't make somebody right. What are the questions you got? We were talking about one. I invite people to go to Relate365.com and hear the discussion we had uh, in the podcast before. But what else are you thinking about? I was wondering about the idea of politics. Why don't we see more Christians in politics today? I know that God calls us to reach people and, you know, reach people in our own ways. And that for some, like this pastor told me once, I thought it was really cool. He did this entire week at a camp. You know, he was entire time the entire time he felt like he was he was preaching to you know people that weren't listening people that just it wasn't hitting home but the last day a little girl came up to him and said hey what you said this entire week has changed me and has focused me so you know it for that one person it, everything that he did that for that week was worth it and i think that is awesome and i believe that politics could be a very good stage for um Christians' ideas and ethics to be seen. And I'm wondering why we don't see it as much as 
I would like 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 to see it. Like the United States of America has one of the highest populations of Christians. But looking at it, I don't know of many Christian politics. I don't know of many Christian senators and stuff like that. I'm just wondering why. You know, I believe God can use us to do the biggest of things and the smallest of things. And I believe politics could be a very good area for Christians faith to be shown for, you know, like someone that's truly put their faith and trust in the Lord and could go against what the people say and go against what people are trying to take them down and continue to stand every day against, you know, the waves of this, this sinful world, but continues to have this, you know, godly and holy presence that he's just a vessel for God. I think that could be very powerful and very spiritual, but I just, I don't see it. And then the ones I do hear that are Christians, I'm very disappointed in like how they act. Like, right. it's like, you say, you wait, like sometimes it just sounds like they say that Christians get the votes. Like, right. and that annoys me. Like, I, like, why don't we see true Christians in politics? Like, I believe God could use them to do so much if they just put themselves out there and just to follow it. And I know God cut well, I know God calls us to be, you know, certain places and how many positions and jobs out there that could be in politics. I'm surprised that I don't hear or see much of it. Like, yeah. You know, I, I would share this with that concern with you, obviously. Now, I don't think I should be a politician. But again, if you keep hearing Christians say that, then we have no Christians that are politicians. And, I, and I've tried to figure out why I don't want to be a politician either. And, and I don't. I mean, I don't feel any inkling to do that in life. I don't feel like that's where I belong. Uh, the trouble is I do like to debate. I, I like to hear arguments, and I like to figure out how somebody's thinking. So maybe I'm cut out for that. You know, I don't know. Um, I think some of it for me as an individual is the systemic problem within politics. In other words, you have to have a lot of money to run. The, the way they do it now with ads and, and all kinds of stuff, it— it's, it's kind of left the realm of the normal human being. And, and now it's in this big, huge corporate kind of structure. And I, I'm not there. I'm, I'm just Dave. I'm not in that world. And, and so it's just kind of interesting to think about what the structure is. Not only that, I would agree with you that I have heard over and over and over and over and over again, people who say they're Christians, but they say things like this. My being a Christian isn't going to affect my decision making. You know, it, it, I'm going to make decisions, you know, based just on the law. And, it, and I keep thinking, well, what good is your Christianity if you're, if you're really not going to make decisions based on your knowing what you know? And so I think in, in some respects, people like myself are frustrated with the whole political system saying there's no possible way to do what I do and be in that position. Now, I, now I don't know that for sure. I'm just saying that's, I think, the thinking that maybe is out there. Uh, most of the business leaders that I know who would make excellent leaders in, in political fields have told me that would be the last thing in the world they would want to do. Because in order to get anything done, you have to be political, not just somebody who knows how to operate things. You have to figure out how to make people like what you're doing and get enough votes behind it. And before you know it, you get more political than you are anything else. And a lot of them are saying, that's not who I am. I'm a decision maker. And I, and I can do it. And I think, well, we need decision makers like you in Washington is what we need. Uh, maybe this will spark some people that really can do that. You know, I don't know. I will tell you once when I was wrong, though, I, went, I was asked to come down to the Wisconsin State Assembly and open it in prayer one time. 
And afterwards, I forget what happened, but they had some kind of thing going on at the governor's mansion. I was there and just talked to a lot of politicians. And frankly, I was quite surprised at the amount of Christians that were behind the scenes in all the political system. I really was. Because I went down, now you are from the state of Wisconsin, correct? Yes. So Madison is kind of known as a, a liberal area. Yes. Yeah, and so the politicians in Madison, we think, are all liberal, you know what I mean, in, in some respect. I was surprised when I went down there to find the opposite, that there were many that loved God that were men. They just weren't the ones on the news all the time. They were cranking out things behind the scenes and doing things. I was shocked, actually. In fact, when I spoke to the assembly before I prayed, I apologized to them. I said, here, I thought totally different when I first came down here. And, and it really taught me that there are believers, at, at, at least at those levels within the government, that we need to pray for and support and try and help the best we can. But they're not out there making waves everywhere. They're, they're quiet. In fact, we had a guy that was on our board of directors here at Silver Birch Ranch who is an assemblyman in Wisconsin that sits right there in all the meetings. And, and so I know several that are there doing it, and I know that they love God. They have a Bible study right there in Madison. There's many that come to the Bible study. And so, I, you know, behind the scenes, I think there's a tremendous amount going on that we don't see. However, those, again, are not the people trying to say, look at me. And in politics today, it seems like those are the ones that we get to focus on. You know, what, what do you think of news? I mean, is news fair? No, I don't think news is fair because one thing I've learned these past few years with everything that's happened is that news companies will put out the message they want people to hear. Um, if you go from very, I've I've did this article in high school where I went to a very Republican website and very Democratic website, and both of them, like none of them, had any similar articles. They each had what they wanted to say and what they wanted to show. And that's, that's, that's what they wanted to get on the public. It felt like, you know, they wanted the public to see this. They didn't want to see the public, what they were doing wrong. They wanted the public to see what the other side was doing wrong. It wasn't, you know, just news. It wasn't what was happening in the world. It was what was happening and how we can make it work for our side. Right. So, so you don't trust the news? Not really, no. So you don't go to the news to learn something the way it really is? Not really, no. Okay. Do you trust the politicians? Um, that's, I would say yes, because I'm not doing something, to, you know, to, I'm not doing something personally. I don't feel a strong conviction right now to, you know, to make sure my hands are within it and that I could be controlling it. But I also don't like what I'm seeing. So you think they say the truth and all that kind of stuff when they talk? No. No. So so you think, so really you don't trust politicians because they're not telling you the truth as yes. far as you're concerned. Yes. So, so you can't find what's true with news and you can't find what's true by listening to politicians. So who is it you do trust? Okay, that's, that's a good enough answer. That's the problem of your generation right there. We've gotten to where we don't trust anybody. We wonder. I mean, you could say, well, I trust church leaders. And then before you know it, there's, there's eight church leaders that have been accused of some sexual abuse or something or money scan. So now it's like, well, I can't trust them. 
Now, eventually, what everybody finds out is that I better know God because he's the only one worthy of trust. And you've heard me say this a billion times. God's older than you, smarter than you, and loves you. You can trust him. And that's really the truth. That's it. And if anything else, our world should show us that. Um, it's really... It's really a difficult climate to live in when you can't trust the political leaders. I remember uh, this last election cycle, I, I contacted one of the news stations and said, I'm done watching news. And the reason is, is the advertisements that came on. You had one advertisement that said this. You had another advertisement right after from the other candidate uh, saying the exact opposite of what this guy said. They both can't be right, and you're airing both ads. And they both can't be right because they go against each other. So I said, you know what? I'm done with that. I don't want to sit there and listen to just you collect money and have two different viewpoints put out there that are totally opposite and not know which one is true. I don't want to fill my head with that. That's just confusing. So really, I really haven't watched much news since. I don't think I've watched national news at all since, and I really have not watched much. And what's happening is news, social media, they're losing their power to influence me because I'm not turning them on anymore. And I think that could be happening and it could change the way you guys, your generation gets information. Because my generation used to get information at six o'clock at night on the evening news. And we used to trust those guys to tell us the way it really was. And now nobody can. Uh, do you use social media? No. No, that's probably good. See, now, now if you look at your life then, you don't use social media. You really, you don't watch news very much. They're also limited in your life. If they're trying to get a hold of you through those means, they're not getting it. So you actually, you spend time in the Bible, you spend time around people who actually want to grow in their faith and learn who God is. So instead, you're starting to really develop a foundational understanding of who can be relied upon. And you're watching lives. You've been here for a year. You get to watch the various lives of the teachers and people and you get to see lives that actually are either doing what they should be or not doing what they should be. Because we actually live together. So you can actually see it on a daily basis, what's going on. So it's very interesting to, to, to think, would you like to be in politics one day? I mean, do you want to go into it and figure out how to be a light in darkness? I think I would. Uh, I don't like what I'm seeing. And I don't like the idea of trying to put someone else up there to, you know, hey, I don't like this, you go fix it. I believe initiative needs to be taken, and I could definitely see myself down the line being in politics. Yeah, well, good for you. You know, And, and I would tell you, the, the most important thing you could do is like the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel kind of thing, is know who God is and make sure you never compromise in that. And then go ahead and, and be in politics, but just make sure that this one factor in life is there. You know God. You know, I, I thought there was a guy that once was trying to recruit me to do some political things. And I said, you know, you know, you know what I, I would have to tell people? I would have to tell them I love God and I would pray about the decisions I make. Do you know what that would do to me politically? You know, it's like I'm willing in that sense, but you do understand that I'm almost unelectable. When, when you start saying that I, you know, I love God, it will affect my decision-making. It will affect how I think. Then I, I think I become, in the United States of America, an unelectable person. Because who's going to want somebody that actually loves God 
and will adjust their thinking according to what God says. All of a sudden, you become homophobic, you become this, you become that, you become that. And whatever label they want to throw on you, they, they throw it on you. Not really understanding what they're saying in the first place. Now, again, is that my excuse as an old guy not to get involved in politics? Could be. It, it could also be that maybe it's time for young guys like you to get involved and change the system and change how it looks and spend their lifetime rewriting how things are supposed to be. Because there are times in nation's histories where they either go down the tubes or there's people that realize what needs to change and there's reformation that takes place. And uh, a guy like yourself, if you spend time getting to know God and know him and live as if you know him and live in the context of the way you were created, be a politician. And, and if you succeed, God will make it you know, so that somehow it happens, then represent them well, all the way up the chain, and be President Aiden one day. I mean, that would be wonderful. In the, in the process, don't ever compromise on what you know. And, and again, that's not to judge people's hearts, but if someone came to you as a politician and, and, and you're running for president, let's say, or something, and said, what do you think about abortion? See, for me, that would be a real easy answer. It is. Yeah, so I would tell them that. This is what I think. I, in fact, I just did another podcast, which is a, an, an, one we call Nighttime, where I talked about abortion. And I said, it's evil. It's barbaric. It's the sacrificing of children. And they go, you know, oh, that's terrible. Do you want me to find a political answer for you or answer the way that my heart understands it? Look, if you don't want me to be your leader, don't vote for me. But this is what I think. And, and I would have to leave it there. Um, I do have a friend. You know, uh, Tim, he's been on this broadcast. In fact, there's a couple podcasts before you that was up here last week. He drove a ski boat. Yeah. He's also an assemblyman. He's a, he's a doctor, and he's an assemblyman in Rockford. He loves God. Makes no apologies for it. And he basically says, here's what I believe. And, you know, if you don't want me as your, your representative, don't vote for me. That's the kind of honesty we need. You know, you don't have to agree with everybody on everything, but at least be honest with them. Here's what I think. And, and for those of us that love God, we need to take a stand and say, I love God. Um, with the children that come up to camp, if I'm speaking for the week, oftentimes I'll tell them, you know, I love God. I'll start that way. I want you to love him too. I tell them right from the front, here's what I want. I'm 65 years old and this is my goal. I want you to love God. Now, you may say, well, that uh, I don't want to hear. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from so that you always understand here's the background. And, and, and politicians need to be able to do that. So I don't know if we've uh, gone around this politician thing enough or not, but I, I don't know if it makes sense. But if you want to go into politics, know God. I mean, know him well. Spend time with him and make sure that never gets compromised. And God could use you. You never know. There were good kings in the Old Testament, you know. Yeah. There were lousy ones, too. You know the difference. Yeah. The lousy ones didn't know God and didn't listen to him, and the good ones did. So go ahead and go into politics, and I'll be a big cheerleader for you. Do you have any other questions? Yeah. Um, another question that actually was shown into my life recently that just made me wonder. I'm not there yet, but, you know, just questioning is, should you have a certain finance availability before marriage uh someone i know uh he's younger than me uh has a part-time job um dating for two years you know they really 
to my understanding, they really love and appreciate relationship and they want to make it legit. They're going to get married in the fall and they, from what I've heard, from what I hear, they do not have the funds. But I'm also coming across as if it's a marriage that is truly God-centered and God-focused, you know, I don't think the funds would be an issue. You know, I believe that they'll, you know, it'll work beautifully if their faith and their trust is where it needs to be. But living in this day and age and the culture we live in, you know, I think there should also be some form of financial security. Like, you know, I believe that what is happening and like what is going through, like that there needs to be a certain amount of money behind it, you know, to make sure it works. Otherwise, they're could cause other stress and other pressure in the beginning of the relationship. To my understanding, they're very excited to get this happen. You know, they've been dating for two years. They want to get it happen. But hearing their financial situation, it sounds kind of scary as well because it sounds like they, they're going to have a crude awakening, you know? Like, no one wants that to happen for them, but that's just how it sounds at the moment, you know, like you want them to succeed. You want, you know, you hope it's going to be God centered and you hope that with being God centered, that it will automatically work. But like the day and age we live in, there's other factors that go into it that sometimes shouldn't be like, you know, sometimes we should just have the faith in God. We should just have, you know, that, but that's unfortunately not where we are. You know, some people put faith in money and stuff. So I'm wondering if the faith in God is is always just enough, you know, that, that always is. But if they were to come to you and ask, hey, should we get married, uh, part-time job, both still lay at home, live at home, should we wait till we're more financially secure or should we continue to go through what we're going through now? Okay, you're talking to a guy who basically doesn't like making money a part of any of my decisions. And, and I probably told you that before. But the bottom line really is, let's talk about what makes marriage a good marriage. What do you think makes marriage a good marriage? I think marriage is, when it's a good marriage, is when they love God, they both love God, they both want to grow with God, and they want to grow with God with each other. And that also coming with that, that they love each other, and they put each other before themselves. Okay. But, yeah, love God and love others, the two greatest commands we're ever told. Okay. You didn't say love money, too, or or have a lot or budget yourself well. No. So, obviously, that's way down on the list somewhere. Yeah. It could be next, but it's still down on the list. And and if you do those first two things, then probably whatever situation you're in financially, you'll be okay. You know, the, the bottom line really is, I mean, I think we need to be responsible with our resources. There's no doubt about it. But for two people to be committed to each other does not take money. And when money becomes out of whack, it becomes out of, um, it, it becomes more important than it should be, it can destroy a marriage. It can destroy relationships. Money can actually destroy relationships. And, and, and that's what I hear you saying. It's like the money can cause a lot of problems, so you should have some. Well, having money can destroy you too. Having a lot of money, having it can destroy you as quickly as not having money. Money itself is something we use, we don't love. People we love, we don't use. And we don't use people to try and get money and try and be comfortable. We love them. And, and we use money. 
So we might, you know, the Bible, when, when God talks about different people, you know, he gave some, um, you know, 10 talents, he gave some five, he gave some one. He doesn't say any of those are evil. So there will be people who they, they love God, they walk with God, and they get one talent. So they're poorer. But you can love God and be poor. You can love God and be handicapped. You can love God and be somebody who has issues in your life that you can't control. It's not about getting things under control before you declare your love for God and a love for another person. And commitment can be done by anybody. It, and you know, Commitment is me saying, I am committed to this person the rest of my life, no matter what happens to us. And you use the term, you know, some you know, have faith in money or whatever. You know, faith in money will let you down 100% of the time. Because money, again, was made differently. It, the purpose of money is not the same as the purpose of friendships purpose of relationships. It, the purpose of money, again, is to be used. And it could be used uh, for myself. It could be used for uh, somebody else. Um, we see in the Bible the, the rich fool. Remember, God, this guy made more money than he could use, so he built a barn and tried to you know, say, oh, tomorrow I, don't, you know, I can eat, drink, and be merry. I don't have to answer anybody. And God said, you fool. You actually set yourself up for the future that's not going to be there. And so other people now will fight over your money because you're not going to be here anyway. And that's what's going to happen to your money. And I think, um, you know, anyone that's in a relationship needs to realize money is something, it's certainly a part of our relationships. It's a way that we can demonstrate our love for God. It, it's a way that, that we can show others we care for them by being generous. But it is not a controlling factor. Uh, I always encourage young people, too, if you get married, uh, be one in everything. Be one. You know, uh, get one name. You have one bank account. Be one in everything. You you do everything you can to symbolically show you're one. And uh, that would be my bias. Some people disagree with that. You know, keep different checkbooks or whatever. Um, I, I think that it's important that you're a one person because everything in life then is shared. And everything is about one relationship. Your relationship to one another. Your relationship together to God. Those are important things. And money is a great way to show that you love God. Because in, in the, you know, if you start loving money, you're going to start doing things that will cause you to be unfaithful to God and possibly even unfaithful to your, your partner. And so put money where it belongs. Um, you will make something. The Bible says uh, if you don't work, you don't eat. So if you work, you're, you're going to have money. And some of you, you Aiden perhaps, when you work, you might make more money than you need, depending on the job. And if you make more than you need, ask God why. Maybe you need to be generous with somebody. Maybe you need to put it away because you're going to live to be 150 years old. And you need to pay for a nursing home. You know, I have no idea. Or, you, you know, maybe we don't know the answer to that. But the bottom line is you could make very little. So if you don't make much... Don't complain. Don't moan. And if you make more than you need, be generous. So I give the couple this advice. I, I think money is money. Uh, love each other. Love God. Do what's right. Don't let money determine anything as far as your commitment to each other. And if you make too much, be generous. And if you don't make enough, don't complain. Enjoy. Live within your means. I tell them not to be in debt. And uh, money could be a whole other time when we get together and just talk about 
money and, and how we manage it and that kind of thing. You've been listening to Younger Older, and I'm Dave Wager here with Aiden. And uh, we invite you to go to Relate365.com and download this or other podcasts. Uh, thank you so much. We're a division of Silver Birch Ranch. Goodbye for now.